0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall
2: Guy.
1: the
0: poster said, See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because
1: nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right
0: now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theatres May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. <laughs> It's the
2: Fulhamish podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC, and this is the one you've been waiting for because last night Fulham beat Chelsea in the SW6 Derby. 16 years of pain is all over, and it's thanks to Carlos Vinicius, the backup man who delivered on the big, big night. Four wins in a row in the Premier League. That's never been done. Zhao Felix sent off on his debut and Fulham up to sixth in the Premier League. The best performance at the halfway stage by a promoted club since 2006. Heady days at Fulham. I keep thinking it's going to be the pinnacle and somehow Marco and his boys keep delivering. Wow. I am speechless. I'm going to have to find some words for the next hour. Fortunately, I am joined by two men that are very good at stringing words together, and I'm very grateful for that. Peter Rutzer from The Athletic. Hello. Hello, Sammy. How are we? How are we doing? What a day. What a night. What a night indeed.
0: Jack Collins. Hello. Hello, Sammy. How are you doing? What an evening. What, what a day. What a time to be alive. <laughs> I can't. I can't believe it. What time were you up till last night? Uh, I think I went to bed about five. Uh, we, we stayed in the Duke until it closed, and then we went back. My brother, with my brother, and sort of watched videos of. Well, we watched the replay about fifty-seven times. I think <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, it was good vibes. Yeah, I had a really nice time. I had, you know, half a bottle of pink prosecco. I was feeling very full. Of them.
2: Very full of indeed. Yeah, I went out and Putney, spotted horse, that closed. Fox and hounds, that closed. The only option left was Le Fez. (laughs) And uh, if you... uh...
0: (laughs) Was there lots of people in Fez? (laughs)
2: <laughs> it was quite a few people. Yeah, it was quite a lot of Fulham fans. As you can imagine, the freed from desire that the DJ played went down uh, pretty well. I've never done Lefez. I, I I lived in Putney for nearly two years and I never went to Lefez. So um, it was a bit of a bucket list thing for me. It was like the one time I went to Inferno's in Clapham as well. Like never again, but I'm I'm glad I've, I can say I've done it. Anyway, let's... Let's get on to uh, matters on the pitch rather than the antics off it after last night's win. Jack, let's do some three word reviews, which I mean, they're normally well responded to. But like last night, I've it was off the charts how many people responded to the three word reviews.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was it was very, very good. I enjoyed enjoyed a lot of these. There was a lot of things around the kind of Vinny, Vidi Vinicius Topic, yeah. which I thought was, was good, but I, I can't name you all because we had about 15 responses to it um, down that thing. But there was a couple. Um, late said, Ciao, Jao, Felix. Um, yeah. uh, Benjamin with Black and White Town, which I'm not 100% sure counts because it's four words, but, but alas, here we are. Obviously, we got, yeah. got shout-out, Jarms, every day. Um, Sol Bamba with The History Boys. Jacob Krupa with South Wind 6. Lindsay with West Side Story. Um, I like John Brooker's See Us Clubber Chelsea, as in CIUS, um, which is very good. Very good. Um, Rick Cardis had Brazil, exclamation mark Brazil, exclamation mark Brazil, um, with the <laughs> squad numbers 20, 18, and 30 in it. Aaron Williams had Samba Stomps Stamford. Paul Bard had Friday's Hangover Guarantee. Can agree with that at the very least. Jay Sampson with Chelsea later. Uh, and Connor Brody with Potter's Magic gone. Yeah. What a night. And um, I think
2: I'm going to You've got to give credit to Adam Crafton from The Athletic for coming up with Chow Felix. I think he was the first person to tweet it. It got picked up by all of the uh, papers on the back pages. Um, Peter, Fulham are the talk of the town. Yes, there's going to be so much attention on on Potter and Chelsea's woes. I imagine we'll come on to that a bit. But if uh, we said in the last podcast after Leicester that... Maybe Brentford are taking some of the headlines because of their scalps. Um, then Fulham are certainly the, uh, the, the talk of the football world at the moment. And just what an amazing achievement Four Premier League wins in a row. It's never been done before, which seems crazy given the amount of time we've been in the league. But most importantly, local bragging rights are ours. Um, yeah. What did you make of the whole evening?
1: Yeah, it was a really... Really special night, wasn't it? It it helps when it's under the lights, you know. I know I know it was a Thursday night, which is a bit unusual. Um, Get used to it. But <laughs> Here we go. It. Here we go. But no, to, to have that occasion, to have the eyes of everyone watching. There's no other game really on. Everyone had the chance to see what Fulham can do, and um, you know, I, we talked about last week about Brentford and getting that scout. Uh, I asked Marco Silver about it as well, and he said it it was the next thing like It was something that he was very aware of that, you know, the results have been very good against everyone other than the traditional top six. And it was important to get that one result that can, well, can show you can do it. And I mean, it's not like Fulham haven't performed well against the big teams. Um, we saw that against City and against United Liverpool. and Liverpool. It just want just needed that win. And he, he put it down to small details. And, and, and to be fair, the small details did go Fulham's way last night. Um, those, well I say small detail when Jao Felix goes flying in on Kenny Teta who just seems to attract these kind of challenges yeah you know the Kung poor Fu man Kenny. I mean, the Kung Fu Kenny just gets it back quite often um, so uh, thankfully he's he's absolutely fine but um, now, as you say a really special occasion the whole thing the, the feeling of it but you kind of you know, even though Mitrovic was out, there was, there was just this feeling at the moment. I mean, even when you just reflect over the, the past 18 months, it's just been such a whirlwind in terms of the, the milestones that are hit repeatedly, you know, the new highs, the new records. You mentioned about four wins in a row. It's, it's the first time in the top flight for Fulham since 66. You know, like oh, yeah. that that's incredible. Like, they, And they're still doing it. Like, it was okay, OK, doing it in the championship with a good team and... Sure, it's a, it's a remarkable campaign, but then to, to keep doing this kind of thing in the Premier League as well. I mean, it's the only word for it is, is special, and it, it and you got that sense from the celebrations last night and what a what, what a moment too for Vinicius as well.
2: Yeah, big up Vinicius, and uh, I completely forgot, but the rules still apply. We've had over three wins in a row in the Premier League top ten. So, ladies and gentlemen, all aboard. <laughs> All aboard. All aboard. Jack
0: Collins, are you aboard? I'm aboard. I'm aboard the Good Ship Conference League. Um, <laughs> good Mate, aim higher. No, don't... no, 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 no. As my good friend Aidan says, he says, you don't want to be at the club. You want to be at the after party, right? Okay. <laughs> That's the conference league. That's the Conference League. The, the Champions League is the award ceremony. The Europa League is the club. The Conference League is the after-party. Mate, I the was. 2024
2: Champions League finals at
0: Wembley. Book your tickets. Book a hotel. Get yeah, it done. Yeah, yeah. Let's split a cab, shall we? Yeah. Um, like, but yeah, no. I just it's it's just so great, isn't it? It's it's one of those where often you can look at games, you can analyze them, and you can look back at them, and, and obviously we'll get to that. But just the feeling around it last night, you know, to do it under those circumstances, missing Alexander Mitrovic. For Vinicius to step up and play the way he did, you know there there are always going to be moments with him where you're like, ah, "Mitchell would have got to that, wouldn't he?" Um, but yeah. ultimately, you're asking someone to step into massive shoes and make a difference with relatively sparse game time, and he did that so brilliantly last night. You know there are a couple of those headers where he peeled off the back post. Bobby nearly scored in in the first half from one where he, he peeled off the back post and Kepa spilled it, and then obviously he does it in the second half and. Like there's going to be questions about the defending slash goalkeeping mix up there between Chalibra and Kepper. Fine, but you've got to be in the position to make those count. And he was consistently, I thought, last night. And, and he worked so hard. He got his back to goal. He tried to bring others into the game. There's the layoff for Bobby when he hits the bar as well. Just generally, I, I think it was a really, really impressive performance. And you look at that and you go, you know, that's someone who, who wants it. And, and I think that obviously that's easy to to say, and it's easy to kind of look at it and be like, well, he's a football player, he should want it, fine. But when you are kind of a bit part player, and I I don't mean that with any disrespect, when you are someone who's playing second fiddle and come in to play second fiddle, and and that's very much, you know, that much is clear from the outset, you have to have the right kind of attitude and personality to do that. And you see the celebrations, you see people coming to him, you saw his celebration where he went over the top of Willian for the first goal. You know, those are the moments you go... You know, this team, are, you know, they're, they're bonded, they want things, they're, you know, in demand, and, and ultimately that kind of mentality was everything I thought that Chelsea lacked to a point yesterday. And, and you know, we were good value for it. You know, I, I tweeted, you know, at four in the morning because that's what I did at four in the morning when I was a tweeting spree. Um, but I said at one point, you know, at what, what, what point are the press going to turn around and stop being like, oh, this is a bad result for Chelsea, and start being like, hang on, Fulham have won five in a row now, obviously four in a row in the league. They have, they're the, currently in the top six in the Premier League, have had an incredibly good season with 10 men. You can't go to Craven Cottage anymore and expect to get a result. Like, that's just as simple as it is. And, and, and as kind of easy as that sounds, that's where Marco Silva has taken Fulham to in quite a short space of time. And, and that's incredibly impressive. Yeah.
2: I mean, the, the achievements, and also I was speaking in the pub last night. I'm just like, when is this going to, like, is is it just going to keep getting better and better? Like, I can't remember the last time that Fulham were bad. The amount of defeats I've seen live for Fulham in the last 18 months has been probably on maybe two hands at most. And considering the only season that we've been bad in the last few years was the season behind closed doors, just seems like going to Fulham is just like, Going from from strength to strength. Um, Peter, Willian got the opening goal last night. Um, he didn't celebrate. He said he wasn't going to celebrate, so it wasn't a massive shock. I think he's he did got give a heart a... to the camera, though. Fair play. Did give a little, a little heart, didn't he? But um, yeah, it was. Uh, he didn't celebrate, but. Um, just caps off uh, an incredible resurgence for him. Amazing to think that three or four months ago, the whole football world had just written him off as as a washed up Premier League has been. And he showed against his former club last night that he's still got more than enough in the tank.
1: Yeah, he's been doing it so consistently as well. That's been what's so impressive. I think when you think back to the summer and when the injuries to Manor Solomon happened and Harry Wilson as well, you know, Fulham wanted to to bolster attacking options. You know, it, it felt like with William that he would just be someone just to steady the fort in this period. You know, be C- C- Cabano and over Reed. and Cabano, of course, was, was absolutely fine. I don't think anyone anticipated him one needing to be so important, and then also not just being important, but also being such a key player. It, it, you you can't. I think every performance genuine genuinely has been really influential in the result. Um, and that's a complete you know, contrast, as you say, to what his reputation was like when he left Arsenal. Um, his struggles then in Brazil. Um, and it just seems to be such a great fit for him. It, it, like it is for so many in that squad, as, we, as we've talked about before. You know, it, it, Being in the right environment, being in the right place, having the right coach, having the right system, when things come together in that way, that's how you get the best out of players. And, and that's, that's been the case for, for, for Willian and, um, his goal was well taken yesterday, constantly a threat. He still has that ability to, to beat a player over those first couple of yards, almost thinking too quickly. Uh, I think my colleague, Richard Mofa called it like the Willian shift, where he just sort of shifts like slightly to one mm. side and he's away from a defender. He's still got that, um, and his signing has been so, so important in over this period. Um, it, it's, it is remarkable. And, you know, you can go through the whole team and start picking up stories, as we've done time and time again, about how players have improved or bounced back or rejuvenated or, or whatever. And, um, it, yeah, I, I, it was always meant to be that William was going to score in that game, of course, against his former club. But it's nice also that you've got Pereira, who was fantastic last night, Vinicius, as we've talked about, um, and William. And you can see that like, those three guys are clearly quite close as well. You can see that from their social media. Um, and it, it's paying off on the pitch. Like these relationships, these, that togetherness, you know, it's not lip service, you know, it's evident. And that's how you get results like this, especially when you're facing a team of the quality of Chelsea or even the more recent wins. You know, like they, I wouldn't say they're from the best performances of the season, but they're finding different ways to win. Um, and that that bodes incredibly well. Yeah, I actually think that I like, whisper it quietly.
2: Jack, I don't think Fulham have played that well since the Palace game. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I, 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 I thought we were good in spells last night. Um, yeah, and there were there were real moments. I think you know after we scored in the first half, it felt like we might kick on and get a second. I, I think generally the whole kind of idea was basically like, okay, we're we're at this point and. Fulham felt like we could score, I think, at the end of that, but it also felt like we were relatively open and it felt like a relatively open game, um you know that there were chances at both ends it-, it was one of those that you know Fulham have, have dug it out and and, and I agree. I-, I don't think that Fulham have been at our fluid best, but we're not going to be at our fluid best every week, right? This isn't the championship. And we aren't going to dominate the ball against everyone, especially away from home, and and so actually these games where you're going and, and making a, a game of it and winning it, in, in in kind of difficult circumstances. You look at the the Leicester game, you look at the end of the Southampton game, you look at last night. You're making the circumstances work f- for us, and 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 that's really really crucial, and it's what we're kind of looking at as a kind of season whole I think you know Fulham are taking advantage of the opportunities presented to us we're looking at everyone as teams that we can beat William I thought was the best player on the park last night and you know I was talking to a couple of mates in the pub afterwards who were in the other end of the ground and they were like yeah you would kind of assume if anybody you know obviously they were like Azpilicueta's legs have gone but you would think that if anyone knew what William was going to do <laughs> it would be Cesar Aspilaqueta. and yet Willian had him on toast for the entire evening so in in that exact regard, you look at it and go, you know, can teams if if Cesar Azpilicueta can't stop William right now, who can? Because he's the player that probably knows him best. You know, what did they spend five, six years together at Chelsea? Yeah. I think William was there a little bit before Pilaquetta, but not not much before. Um, and and he knows he knows him inside out. He knows his game inside out, and yet. There was it just felt like Willian got separation constantly and made those things happen. And and you know, there are players who have that ability to spark a moment of magic, and you know, Peter referenced it there. Andreas's cross for the second is absolutely pinpoint. Willian's kind of shift away from his player to make the first goal. Yes, there's a deflection, fine. But the actual bit to get separation is exquisite. And there are those moments where you're like, the Fulham have players that can make the difference in these situations and they might not be the, the, you know, the names that people expected them to be. They might not be the, the kind of star names. The entire Fulham squad, uh, the entire Fulham starting 11 last night cost less than Keper uh, Rizzo Riz- Belaga. Like, we're looking God. at this and going, okay, cool. You don't necessarily need to. And, and when Fulham get it right, we get it right. And, and we've got it right a hell of a lot this season.
1: Did the did the back line cost less than Felix's loan? It's got to be close. Like if we did initial like fees, you got Leno, Tete, Tosin. Yeah, it's pretty close. Pretty yeah. close.
0: Yeah. I don't think there's yeah. much more. I think it's about what probably. I don't 10 think it's even million? actually close. I think it's just quite. I don't even think it's that. I think it's less <laughs> than ten million. I think it's quite comfortably less than ten million as well.
2: Yeah, Incredible. let's come
0: on to um,
2: second half because Peter Fulham didn't have it all their own way last night. And we did have to cope with some difficult spells, particularly when they got an equalizer two minutes into the second half. It felt it, it felt kind of against the run of play. Really, I didn't feel like it was a moment in the match where I was felt that Chelsea were particularly threatening uh, some chaos from a free kick. Basically, Mason Mount's free kick hit the post and just fell into Koulibaly and, um it it wasn't really close as to whether it was over the line or not. And and after that I think Fulham did well not to let the game go. Because at that moment a team with Chelsea's quality could have gone and run away with it, got a second and stuff. We managed to to stem the bleeding despite having a bit of a wound from from that equalizer.
1: Yeah, I think I think Fulham did that twice actually because I think the way the game started initially the way João Felix was playing, uh, you were looking at it and thinking, oh my word, like this, this kid is un- incredible. I mean, he was everywhere, finding the pockets, linking everything, every touch. I think it was, there were two yellow cards, weren't there, in the first 15 minutes. And Paulinho could have got one as well, all for fouls on Felix, because he was just unplayable. Um, but they, Fulham managed to adjust. They managed to tweak things. They managed to get a grip of that central area, just to stop him a little bit, to stem the tide. And and as as you said, they they then did that in the second half as well, and it's really important they did that because you know Chelsea may have been in a in a in a poor moment, but they they have the quality to really hurt teams in 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 quick succession to be quite ruthless. Um, and yeah, it, it came back round, and it just seemed to have regained that balance when when of course there was the 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 Felix challenge, which um, yeah we had a big big bearing, I think.
2: Yeah, massive bearing on the game, Jack. I mean, up there with one of my favourite Fulham moments. The realisation that Chelsea's rescue lad, they brought him in on extortionate money per game to save their season. He (laughs) was amazing last night. I mean, it was almost like kind of privileged to watch someone that... I I was like, wow, you are unreal. And for him then to get a red... again in those circumstances and then when everyone in the stands suddenly realized oh my god that means he's then suspended for the game against us in a couple of weeks back at the bridge just right up there with some of the top moments i've ever had at the cottage the moment when you realize he's going to go here he's actually going to go and um yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, glad that Kenny Tete's all right. You don't want to see challenges like that, but everything else about it was just extraordinary.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's Madison that's that because he just completely lost control. Um, but yes, it, you could tell immediately. You are like that's a red. You can tell when you know, you know, it's a red, when you can tell from the stands. It was a bit <laughs> like the Chaliver one in the season. I was like. Well, that's a red card. Even if the ref <laughs> didn't give it straight away, I was like, oh, that's 100% going to be a red card there. Um, and, and last night looked the same. You know, he just he lost control of the ball and he just lost control of himself in the tackle following it. And, and that's unfortunately, you know, how it goes sometimes. But yeah, the moment you were like, hang on, is he out for the return fixture? I don't know. Now, obviously, this season's weird in terms of the way fixtures have been shifted around, but I can't remember that happening.
2: Oh yeah, someone, someone getting a red card in that game and then being out for. I guess obviously that might happen when there's like two-legged ties. People might be out for the return game. But yeah, to have that to happen in the league is we were going to have rare. Potter
0: back to back at one point before the, um, before the, the yes. Queen died. Obviously, it was going to be Brighton and then Chelsea in the week where he'd moved gloves. We were going to have back to back Potters at the at the cottage, which is yeah. pretty nuts. Um, but yeah, it just. Uh, One of those, where you you go, that's that's something that we'll probably never see again. So enjoyable, Uh, enjoy some
2: red, some red card stats here, Peter. You might have seen a couple of these already. Mm. Um, Zhao Felix is the twenty second ever player to get a red card on debut, of which only thirteen of those have been direct reds, and of the seventeen red cards given out in the Premier League this season. Five of them have been given to teams playing Fulham. Now that stat has come in <laughs> on an email from Miles and he said, what's that all about? Is it all part of Marco's master plan? Bring on the post Chelsea podcast. Um, Peter, is it a coincidence that teams keep getting red
1: cards against us? No, I was, I was going to bring up that statistic. It's it's a helpful statistic, isn't it? I mean, it certainly makes life a little easier. I mean, mm. it, the encouraging thing is Fulham have taken advantage of each of these situations, they know exactly what they're doing, and they're, and they're securing results like they did at Palace, which is a, a professional job. And of course, that helps when two of those cards <laughs> are in one game. Um, poor old Kenny Tete. I, I mean, if, it, if the uh, recent games are to go for, we might have to. They need a right back in soon just to protect him because one, one of those tackles might land eventually. Yeah. Um, but no, I. I mean, it's it, there's a couple of things with this. Uh, one might be the fact that Fulham are competitive in games and what i mean by that is they're getting the ball into advanced areas they're frustrating teams they're they're creating scenarios where these things can happen um you know i mean (laughs) the second part of it is it it's just random luck sometimes you know Mm. just how the cookie crumbles like players having those kind of moments um there's poor challenges mistimed mistimed uh lunges um and and that you know that plays it that plays a big part so um it, 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 the important thing for, from a Fulham perspective is taking advantage of those situations. And that's what they've been able to do. Yeah.
2: I also think we're quite street wise, and especially with Mitrovic around, I think Mitrovic attracts red cards. He attracts players losing their tempo. He's always been one to like wind up players. Um, so I think that is also a big factor. And a couple of the red cards have obviously come around from that. Uh, uh, Douglas, uh, uh, Douglas Louise for, for Villa. And then uh, the, 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 uh, who is it for Villa? Who is it for Palace that got sent off? James Tompkins, um yes. also kind of quite streetwise from, from Mitrovic, knows what he's doing hmm. um, there. Let's come on to the winner then, Peter. Um Jack mentioned it earlier. The whip. From Andreas Pereira is sensational. What One thing I liked um, from a personal point of view, uh, I sit next to a, a woman called Marisa in the uh, Hammersmith end. And it was just at a moment where Fulham were passing it around a bit and maybe not um, going for broke, sticking a ball in the box. And she went, Come on, Fulham, just get it in the box. And literally, I, I'm not joking, a second later it went to Pereira who just put in a really speculative cross and then went in. I was like, Wow. Could you do that a bit more often, please, Maurice? That wasn't <laughs> that was sensational. Um, so great for Vinicius to get the goal, Peter. Um, he has had a tough time at Fulham. Let's be honest. He's had a couple of tough games where it's not gone his way. Um, there was that period before the World Cup where Mitrovic wasn't playing because he was injured. And, and Vinicius just never really looked like getting a goal. Last night, I was thinking, like, I could see him getting a goal. And, and, and Jack alluded to it. He is not Mitrovic but that will do him the world of good. And also, if he never does anything ever again, if that's the only goal he ever scores for Fulham, he's the man that broke the Chelsea curse that scored after 16 years of hurt and, and you know, he'll go down in folklore for that.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's such a great thing for him to have, really, especially when you know your minutes are limited where your chances of playing games are so few and far between. To have that, that knowledge, that sort of you know you've got the belief you've got that story behind you from the supporters from everyone that that makes such a massive difference um because as you say like he's he's come in he's not really had many opportunities um it's so hard to find a rhythm um to get up to speed and and I did think to be honest even even before the goal I thought it was his best performance by some considerable margin um the one sort of concerns I'd had with him you know, goals are one thing, you know, he hasn't really had any chances really, like clear-cut chances. So you can it's been hard to sort of judge him on that. And also to compare him to Mitrovic is, is difficult. He's not Mitrovic, as Jack said. But the, the one thing that Fulham really need from that centre-forward in, in the system that Silver plays is the hold-up play, is making life difficult for central defenders, is creating space for others. Um, and he was really aggressive. Um, won the ball back time and time again. And I know that the Chelsea back lines seem to have an absolute stinker to a man um Chalibur in particular was was really poor but 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 Vinicius didn't make it easy for them Vinicius seized on everything um and I think that all-round play just getting in their faces I thought he did a really good job against Thiago Silva which is not easy to do you know yeah. he's a really clever intelligent defender knows how to play most strikers um he did really well and then was in the right place at the right time good movement to get on the end of what was a, as Jack outlined, was a, just a sensational cross from a player who has just reached in, he's just improving and improving with each game uh Andres Pereira and um a, a a a really great moment um and the celebrations not just from you know the stands but his teammates the way they mobbed him the way the staff celebrated with him as well uh, it was really nice the, the, the moment between Luis Belmorte and, and, and Carlos Vinicius because obviously two Fulham yeah. folk heroes as you'd say for the for this fixture. Um, that, that stays now. That's with him throughout his time at Fulham. Um, and that's reassuring for moments where Fulham will be without Mitrovic because it may happen again. You know, injuries, suspensions. Um, there is a player there who feels he belongs at Fulham now and that's 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 massive that's massive
2: my one thing about vinicius jack and i'm i'm wondering if this might change now that he's scored i want him to be slightly more selfish i want him to sometimes take chances for himself the one last night that i really thought like, come on, mate, you you have an opportunity to score here. Go for it. Was actually the one where Bobby Reed ended up hitting the bar mm. because Vinicius has the ball on the edge of the box Keppers off his line a long way off his line as well. And he's just inside the penalty area. I thought the dink was there and it's not, it's it is kind of to be applauded that he found the pass and Bobby hit the bar. Maybe it was the right option, but there was a couple of moments in the second half. I just want him to be slightly greedier.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, I, this was a, a popular sentiment around me in the ground last night. It was like, why didn't he just shoot? I actually thought it was the right decision to lay Bobby in. Um, it, it, the game had opened up in that regard, but I do agree with you that Kepa's miles off it, and and the dink might be on. I just think that actually seeing that pass was was very very intuitive from from mm. Vinicius. The one that got me was there was the one in the in the second half where he gets the ball on the edge of the box and it's coming across him, and I'm just like, hit it, and he tries to dink it back in. For William, yeah. and it gets cleared. That, that was the one I was like, just let that, you'd score. It was after he'd scored. I was like, mm. let that roll across you and hit it. You know, you've just scored. The confidence should be pulsing through you. Get the shot away. But, you know, there, there, there are always going to be different types of, of, of striker. You know, there are always going to be players who look for it. And, there are, you know, he played a lot of the game yesterday, as I mentioned earlier, with his back to goal. And actually, uh, you know, that bringing other people into play was something we've applauded Alexander Mitrovic for over the course of the last season's, you know, changing his game a little bit to, to help bring others into play. Actually, Vinicius did that beautifully last night. And so if, if him being slightly less selfish is laying up opportunities like that for Bobby Reed, which wasn't on a plate, but I think it was still a better opportunity to score than perhaps Vinicius was straight away. Then, then I'm okay with it. But I, I completely get what your point is.
1: One quick thing while we mentioned Bobby Reed, Silver mentioned afterwards that he was actually unwell the night before the game. Um, mm. And, I thought he was fantastic. So yeah. to put in that kind of shift, um, having been unwell, I think, you know, really does sort of back up the, the sentiments we have about him and <laughs> a team of Bobby Reeds, even under the weather, would do quite well, I think. His sister I was would. there
0: yesterday. Was, she, she's the, the MP for the Wandsworth. Um, and yep. So she was, she was tweeting from the game last night, but I'd imagine um Marcia Dekadova would have been a very, very proud sister last night because I thought he was absolutely exceptional.
2: I also, one other Bobby Reed um, observation, um, at the full-time whistle, uh, I think they're trying to show Graham Potter on the bench, but you could see Bobby Decker over Reed, who'd been subbed off by that point, celebrating like he was a fan in the stands. Yeah. Like really like fist pumping, like hugging everybody and stuff like that. I, and, and you mentioned it Gets earlier, Janet, it was the, the, the chemistry throughout this whole squad it, subs T coach. It feels like everyone's on this page. Um, with Marco Silva at the moment. And I, I mean, the, the, the achievement that we've done, Jack, to be halfway through the season, 31 points. Yes, I'm sure that the team and Marco are still aiming for 40, but to be at this point, halfway through over 30 points, when was the lot I mean, we haven't been at over 30 points since 2013 in the Premier League. All right? this, These are such heady days and whether it ends up in Europe or not, who knows is a long way to go, but still just the achievement right now of what's been done is, is nothing short of remarkable.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's exactly where it is. You got just kind of. I think about this time. You know, last year we were talking about drinking it in, right? It wouldn't always be this good Uh, when we'd. I think it was after the seven nils and the six twos. I think that that you know that run of games where we scored nineteen goals in three games, and it was like, guys, you know, it's not going to be this easy all the time. You know, next season it's going to be hard, and here we are having beating the bees and the blues at the cottage sitting in the european spots in the premier league and as you say you know it's it, it, it there's a long way to go but it's a team that let us dream in many ways and, and and you look at it and you just think you know this is a team who aren't shackled by limits or expectations you know and, and you can see you know tom tom kenny was was talking about the fact that they no one's thinking about europe and and tim ream basically said the same in his post-game interview last night. I think he, they were like, you're in the European places. And he's like, it is what it is. You know, it, we've just got to look at it and keep winning. And obviously it's like, "Well, oh, no easy games in this division. You know, we only play the next game, etc., etc., and, and that's fine. But it's a team that are allowing the fan base to dream. And in that, they've already kind of won because that's where, that's where kind of expectations feel at the moment. And you're, you're just looking at this side and thinking, you know, what, what can they achieve? If they continue playing like this. Why not? You know, and 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 that's kind of where I've I've kind of got to with with it, and it's a really interesting one because you know I said this before the game yesterday, but I think it's a fair point to make now. I said it if we win, the last time we beat Chelsea felt like a moment, right? Because we weren't playing brilliantly. We'd come into the game on you know relatively poor out of form. That was Mourinho's Chelsea. They were relatively imperious. Yeah. And it kind of felt like a flash in the pan moment. You're like, you get those sometimes, you know, just those kind of games where everything works for you and you get the result. And there was that out. Like of It was emotion. like a cup upset. Exactly. This felt like a statement. If that felt like a moment, this felt like a statement. And it was one of those that right now, Fulham are a better team than Chelsea. Now, whether that, you know, falls through into the end of the season or not, at this exact moment, this isn't a, OK, Southampton knocking Man City out of uh, the EFL Cup this week. That doesn't make Southampton a better team than Manchester City. You know, this isn't, yeah. isn't based on the result. Right now, Fulham off streets clear of where Chelsea are in terms of team, in terms of how application, in terms of making things happen, in terms of execution. And that in itself is absolutely incredible. And when you look at it in that kind of regard, that is the kind of thing that you go, well, why can't we then go on? and get to Europe. Because if you are currently better than a team that have played in the Champions League for the you know, past few seasons, that have won the Champions League not too far, long ago, yes, this is a very different Chelsea. Then there is definitely that, you know, that ambition to, to kick on and, and go, why not? And look, a lot of people are saying, okay, we go away to Newcastle right, you know, on Sunday, incredible side, playing really well at the moment. We're probably not going to get anything out of that game. And, and for what it's worth, I agree. I just don't think it matters because I think Fulham will go into that game and be like, yeah, we can probably do we can probably do Newcastle at St. James's Park. Why not? And yeah. that attitude and that kind of idea, and I think is backed up in the fact that in, on a day where there's train strikes, on a day that as the game's been moved to a Sunday, Fulham sold out the away end at St. James's Park, three and a half hours further up the country, right? That in itself is the sign of of this team and what they and what the fans feel and what the team feel that they can achieve right now. And I think that's an incredibly special place to be.
2: I mean, Peter, speaking of fans, the atmosphere last night was incredible. Uh, you always know it's a big game when the hammy end stands. Um, <laughs> I know that's not that to everyone's um, pleasure, by the way. But, you know, it does make for an incredible atmosphere in the hammy end when when the whole stand stands. Um, the scenes afterwards, the the freed from desire, the songs, the celebrations. Um, I always think of you, of you Peter, because you started your kind of Fulham journey in an empty stadium for a year, watching Scott Parker football, scoring nine goals. And, you know, you, you had a weird introduction to, to life at Fulham and then you see scenes like last night, like what a transformation that you've personally kind of witnessed during your time covering the club.
1: Well, I don't want to take any credit, but um, no, I mean, it's the real difference in how you see it you know how how the the, the game has looked it's almost like it was a different game you know those times during lockdown were incredibly weird a different sport really Um, and then to see the fans come back and to see how the crowd have sort of responded to Marco Silva's team and the, (laughs) the amazing season last year and um, to be honest, I'm, I'm still struggling to, to sort of take it all in because I mentioned it was a whirlwind before, but there's, it's just so, so much has happened in such a short amount of time um, that have just completely and drastically changed the direction of the team, the club. Um, and it's so enjoyable. I just I'm used to like going through and just finding you know things are going wrong. Should be improving here. Post mortems, you know pressure of every game, chasing numbers down, you know, can they do it? What are the odds? What are, you know, when was the last time Fulham recovered or a team recovered from this position to maybe potentially happen to get out of jail, false hope after false hope? Um, this is just a bit free-spirited. It's just, it's unchained. It's untethered. It's, um, it's a real privilege to watch. You know, I'm, I'm lucky to watch it because this is a, uh, one of those special moments I think in Fulham's history and uh, to be able to watch it all and, and document it is uh, yeah, it's a real privilege.
2: Yeah. And also, um, Peter loved your article that, uh, that was out this morning, something a little bit different. Uh, you followed the, uh, the Ventum family, uh, before, uh, the match and kind of, uh, wrote up there that the match kind of through their lens, um, uh, me and Jack know, uh, Liam. Shouts out the Ventums. What
1: lovely people.
2: Really, really nice article. Something a little bit different and uh, all out on The Athletic
1: if people want to read it. Yes. Yeah, no, just something a bit different to to try and tell the story of Fulham Chelsea. And um, yeah, and it worked out pretty well in the end. Yeah, indeed.
2: Right, we're going to take a break there. Afterwards, we've got some emails and we'll look ahead to Newcastle. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th part two of the Fulhamish podcast Sammy James here with Jack Collins and with Peter Rutzler thank you to everyone who continues to back Fulhamish in the Fulhamish community uh, supporting the work that we do on the podcast uh, on the YouTube and uh, our articles as well we cannot explain how much it means to you guys that that back us um, financially all the costs that are involved with uh, making Fulhamish are, are funded basically by the people that, that back us in there as a bonus you get access to the Fulhamish uh, community, which is uh, a few different uh, group chats on, uh, on telegram, which is a nice little bonus. But the main thing is just like supporting the pod. If you can, um, we try and keep everything free, but if you, if you can support us, honestly, there's not that much advertising money at the moment. So the monthly payments that that we get from you guys are honestly what what is keeping the pod running. So if if you can and you're able to, uh, we'd love you to support us. There's a link in the podcast or all the details are also uh, in the support section on the Fulhamish website. Uh, let's do some emails that have uh, come through. We're going to do a big. This will catch on uh, in the few in the coming weeks. There's too much to talk about at the moment, but I'm, I'm getting a lot at the moment. I'm storing them up for uh, for Jack and Peter uh, for the next few weeks when there aren't midweek matches. Um, question here from Matt Wall says love the pod keep up the good work question for the Friday club uh, yes the, the the pod has changed today we're at the halfway mark after last night's game and surely we can start looking forward to another season in the top flight prediction time for the end of the season which three teams are going to go down and from those which players would you like to see Fulham try to sign he thinks it's going to be Bournemouth Everton and Southampton and he would like to target Solanke and Lavia uh, so Solanke from Bournemouth and Lavia from, from Southampton. Uh, notable mention for Sander Burge if if Sheffield United don't get promoted. I think
0: they Sheffield will be Sheffield United are going to be promoted. Yeah, 100%. <laughs>
2: um. So yeah, who who do you think are the three that, uh, that are going down this season? How mad that we're having this conversation and it doesn't involve us. It just feels so weird. Yeah, it
1: does. It is really odd. Um. Uh, I, I, yeah, Bournemouth, Southampton. I think I've had them at the start of the season as well. I think I also said, Brentford and maybe Fulham, and that looks terrible in hindsight. Mm. Um, uh, I then think it's between Everton, um, Leeds, and uh, Forest for me. Um, I think that's. It, it, I think the table will start to stretch a little bit, it already has somewhat. Um, I just think the other teams in those er, in those in those positions um, have a too much quality, and I think the managerial changes down there. You know, we've seen the impact that. Unai Emery's already had, I think. And Julian Lopetegui, I think, will have a similar impact to uh, Wolves. Um, those, I think that final spot, I think Bournemouth and Southampton are the two struggles. Bournemouth in a really, really poor patch at the moment. Uh, I don't know what they'd be able to do this month in terms of transfers to change things drastically. Um, so I can see them falling um, down the table with with the Southampton. And then, yeah, that those last positions, It just it just feels like whoever... Can pull themselves out of it, you know. It's um, there's talk of Forest signing even more players, and which seems incredible, really. Um, but yeah, I think for me, those those would be the trio. I think you've highlighted the, some of the key players. Solanke would be would be a great addition, um, because I think he offers something different to to what Mitrovic does, while also being able poor to poor man's do some Carlos Vinicius, is it? Well, no, no, I'm, not, I'm just, I'm just, you know, just just <laughs> indulging on what was put forward. I um, know, oh, yeah,
0: I'm only messing. Um.
1: um yeah, and and Lavia, of course. I think Southampton have got some talented players. A dozy we saw firsthand as well, didn't we? Uh, a Craven Cottage. Yeah, I like A dozy. He's a really talented player. Um, so yeah, those are the ones that come to mind after having three and a half hours sleep. But uh, yes,
0: <laughs> uh, Jack, any uh, any improvement on what Peter mentioned? If Bournemouth get relegated, I would like us to go in for Marcus Senesi who I think is a really good footballer. I watched him quite a lot of Nord last season, um, yeah. and Lloyd and- Kelly. I do also like Lloyd Kenny. I do like but Lloyd He's King. the captain and I'd imagine he might stay. So yeah, but, um, he, he's, a, he's he's also picking us up us. a lot of heat from Bournemouth fans at the moment, I think, isn't he? For some of his performances. But Sanessi, yeah. Sanessi I really like. Yeah. I think he's a really good footballer. Um, Not kind of on this topic because I don't think that Aston Villa are going to get relegated, but I think the more players that come in there, it looks like they're linked with Gendouzi now, the more it's going to come up that I don't think John McGinn has a future at Aston Villa. And that's a player I would really, really like as a Harrison Reed rotator piece. Um, I think John McGinn is excellent. I really, really like him. I think I like what he brings to the table and I think he'd fit right in with this Fulham squad. His application, his attitude, it just strikes me as a kind of player that, that Fulham would, would do well with. So I'm, I'm just going to throw him into this conversation even though I don't think Aston Villa are going to get relegated. David
2: Smith Said, and this is definitely something that I've seen banded around a lot on Twitter. Said, hello Fulhamish. I know this question will probably make some listeners' eyes roll as someone living in the past who just needs to get over it, but I can't help but feel, with the benefit of hindsight, given how this season is going for both clubs, that Fabio Carvalho's move to Liverpool. Might have happened a season too early for him. He's not getting game time in a team with underperforming players that are high up the pecking order in terms of overall status. Pure speculation. But do you think he's looking at Fulham so far this season? A small part of him is wishing he'd been playing for us. Um, would him staying have meant we wouldn't necessarily have ended up with a selection of newcomer players that are gelling so well together. Pereira being the obvious light for light. Probably yes. Ultimately... Like was frequently mentioned at the time, he would still be here if Fulham hadn't made such a habit of not tying young players down on long contracts. Would we take him back on loan in our current situation? And that's from David in Paris. Um, Jack, a lot of talk about calvalio And I think it was maybe the, uh, the signing of Gakpo as well, which just made you think wow, he's really another player down the pecking order at at Liverpool. Personally, I still see this as a long-term move for Fabio. And I still probably think he made the right move. He made the move that I would make if I wasn't a Fulham fan and that yes. Okay. This season, he's not getting the game time. Liverpool aren't as good, but still like you couldn't turn that down. And I, 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 uh, yeah, obviously he'd be looking at how fun Fulham is and thinking, oh, it would be fun to be playing there. But like, he had, to, he had to take that move, surely.
0: Yeah, I agree. There is a point there from David where he says maybe he's gone a year too early. And I think that might be fair enough. Obviously, you know, we saw what happened with Ryan Sess who gave Fulham that year in the Premier League and everyone was, was grateful. And then when he left, he left on better terms. And I think that maybe Fabio did. So so I can I can see where that point is. I wouldn't take him back on loan for what it's worth. I don't think there'd be any real gain to Fulham in doing that right now, bringing Carvalho back in for six months, you know, with, with no kind of future element to that. I don't, I don't think there's much gain for Fulham in doing that. So I wouldn't bring him back in on loan. Um, I, I think there might be an element of him that going, you know, I, I maybe went one too early. He he liked our man, George Rossiter's post about Fulham beating Chelsea last night on Instagram. So, you know, he's clearly <laughs> still keeping up with the lads. Um, but, but generally I, I think that, he's probably made the long-term right move, even if it necessarily doesn't work out at Liverpool. I think someone else will come in for him, you know, whether that be in Europe or beyond. Um, That that basically gives it, gives this move credence. And I think coming from Liverpool, it's a good place to be. It's a good place to be training. Obviously right now the mood in the camp is is going to be incredibly low, but I I think that long-term Fabio is probably still in a very good
1: place.
2: Thank you very much for all your emails. Um, I mentioned that uh, we won't be doing uh, This Will Catch On this week and we're going to be uh, saving it up. I do have just one This Will Catch On, though, to, uh, to play you because uh, it's timely. And it's from our good friend, Archie Rins Tut, who sent me this um, WhatsApp voice memo. Um, it was at 20 past five, although he is in New Zealand, so that doesn't quite uh, add up the same. But uh, he sent us this with a little ditty uh, after last night a will catch-on entry a necessary one after last night or this morning in the case of all us New Zealand Fulham aficionados
1: which I account for a week Carlos Carlos Vinicius runs rings around Chelsea. Yeah, my voice is kind of gone. But kind of worth it. Peace and love.
0: Come on, you I Hope you had a good night, mate. Cheers. I think Archie's had a good night. Good morning. <laughs> it was 5
2: p.m., I think. I worked. I just did the maths.
0: <laughs> when He's he been screaming his heart out over there. To, well, fair play to Arch. But I, I mean, yeah. I, I, I think it works. I think, to be fair, it's, it, he needs a song now. So why not? It feels like the kind of thing that could catch on. I mean, yeah. sold.
2: Um, there's some very good this will catch on in the emails as I said next week we'll be on it it will return properly because uh, I've got a lot of them um, stacking up let's look ahead then to Newcastle on Sunday um, Peter you were in the press conference God, I, I admire you for being able to make that what were Fulham thinking a 9am press conference after beating uh, well I, don't, I guess they didn't know they were going to beat Chelsea but still after the Chelsea game the night before um, it was fair play for anyone that was able to make it including Marco Silver himself um he didn't seem to be very happy with the scheduling that was uh that was a big thing on on in his mind from from what i read
1: no not happy with the scheduling He mentioned it uh before the chelsea game as well um he says it's, he described it as dangerous i think obviously there are thursday to sunday games um so it happens especially if you're in europe um but i think his his main point was that it wasn't necessary as in mm-hmm. you know the scheduling didn't need to be it didn't need to happen on Thursday. I I don't I haven't got to the bottom of why it was on the Thursday, other than maybe for broadcast reasons. So but yeah, a bit of frustration probably of that. The fact that also Fulham go to Newcastle, which means the, the travel element as well. Um but you know, um it should but it will make a, a difficult challenge that bit trickier. And he was he was also pointing out that what he admires most about Eddie Howe's team is their intensity. Um on and off the ball, their pressing, their aggression and um and how they've made basically St James's Park a very difficult place place to go. So um I think the for the game it's gonna be uh, a really tough test. I, I was actually a little surprised when I was looking at the table and then realised that Newcastle have only lost once this season. Yeah. Um which is incredible, really, isn't it? Um we we saw what Newcastle can do against ten Fulham players um early in the season. They were hmm. they were pretty ruthless. Um similarly really to what we've seen at Fulham in that You know there are players in that squad who have kicked on in ways that they hadn't before. Joe Linton, Miguel Almiron. um, You know you can can go right through them. They've recruited astutely as well. There are some neat parallels, albeit their pockets are statewide deep. Um, So um, yeah, I I think as Jack said, you know you you go there with no expectations. You go there and it's a tough game. Newcastle have changed their horizons now and. Um, I, I, you know, we, we, this is this Fulham team have produced um, some impressive results. I think to get something here after the run of fixtures, the fact that this squad isn't massively rotated at all in this time would be quite something. Um, of course, the big boost is that Mitrovic is back, rested and ready. I don't know if you saw the images of him last night during the game towards the end. They panned to him in the cottage and uh, just on his feet, just urging the players forward, back. Uh, it was really it? It was lovely to see. So um, yeah, he's ready. I saw um, there was a vlog that someone did
2: sitting in the cottage balcony. How these it people get there? I, I was it th- was it? Oh okay. Maybe that maybe explains it. Anyway, I, I basically just saw a, an off clip of Mitrovic celebrating Vinicius's goal and really celebrating it as well, which is, which is nice. And what I, I to be honest, expect from Mitrovic, he doesn't come across as someone who's uh, about personal glory over team glory. Uh, I'm sure he'll have been absolutely delighted and he knows his position at the club. He still gets "Mitros on fire song for him, even when <laughs> he's not on the pitch. He, it's still, it's still his song that uh, gets, uh, gets played. Um, Jack, when I look at Newcastle, the only hope that I have like, look, this is a really difficult game and, and uh, the scheduling and everything about it. And it, it screams of a run to be honest, that Newcastle aren't always free scoring. And sometimes at home, they've struggled. Occasionally, they do turn it on and they, they'll get a big haul. But you look, um, they'll the nil-nil draw against Arsenal. Leeds went up there, got a, a nil-nil draw. Um, they only narrowly beat um, Bournemouth um, just before Christmas. Fulham's defense recently has actually been very, very watertight. If we can go up there and keep it narrow, there might be a chance of kind of frustrating newcastle that would surely be a big aim here is to go up there and just try and keep it tight and and stop them getting an ascendancy early doors and 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 hopefully you know die down the crowd a bit because it's it's absolutely furthest up there at the moment at saint james's park
0: yeah it's rocking um and and rightly so when they're in the positions they are in they're now probably favorites to win a cup out of nowhere which is kind of i'd imagine yeah. boosted it even further and as you say, they've only lost once this season. I think you're right. And I think that Fulham will approach it with no fear. And, you know, in, in so many ways, after beating Chelsea, it's kind of one of those where you go, why not? You know, we can, if, if we can beat Chelsea this week, if we can, you know, win four times in a row for the first time since 1966 in the, in the top flight, as Peter said, you know, they're not going to go to the Newcastle game and be like, this is a write-off. I, I think it's a really tricky fixture. I think it's, it's a really tricky task, especially considering they've had two days extra rest than mm-hmm. Fulham have had. But yeah, you you look at it and go if if, if that if, if you can if you can do what we've done on Thursday night, then you know you've got to just try and as you say quiet the crowd down, keep it tight to begin with, see if you can nick a goal and uh, and basically try to to make sure that that kind of fervour and the the kind of bounciness of, of St James's Park, which has been so obvi- obvious and so evident of late, is a little bit diluted. If you can do that, then then why not? And I think Fulham have gone to, you know, went to the Emirates earlier this season and, and lost narrowly. I think we did that there, quite in the Emirates down and, and, and it was actually very, very loud that day. This isn't a, that's not a dig at Arsenal support. Um, but yeah. it was, it was loud and, and Fulham managed to stifle that, kill the atmosphere a little bit, keep it tight and, and only lost very narrowly. And you, you look at that game and go, okay, if that's a game plan, can you do that and maybe avoid the mistake that leads to Arsenal's second goal? Could you do that up at Newcastle? I don't see why not. If you can do it to the team that have, you know, Blitzed into the lead in the Premier League, I think you can do it against anybody. And Fulham, you know, went to the Etihad, gave a good account of ourselves. Went to the Emirates, gave a good account of ourselves. Probably slightly less so at, at Tottenham Stadium, but generally, I think performance has been really impressive. So they we'll go into this fearless off the back of a massive win, morale high in the camp. Yes, I think fatigue might play a factor, but but generally, I think that there's there's always a chance with this Fulham team, and that's part of the niceness of of, of what we're watching. I think. Um. Peter,
2: there's been some news over the last um, couple of hours that uh, Joe Linton... Um, has been charged with uh, drink driving. Um, he was stopped by police um, in the early hours of Thursday. Uh, Eddie Howe has said he's unsure whether he's going to to pick him. Obviously, he's been a brilliant player for, for them of recent. So uh, remains to be seen whether he will play. Um, one player who definitely won't play for Fulham is Anthony Robinson, who picked up a suspension. So you imagine that will be Kozawa. Uh, coming in. Uh, he played in the reverse fixture against Newcastle and had a torrid time, but I think Levin Kazawa's in a different place right now. And um, Silva seems very keen to um, big up Kazawa, um and, and his abilities. He seems to be very impressed by him. Is that the impression that you've
1: got in the press conferences? Yeah, that's good. Partly because I'm asking <laughs> what he thinks sort of him. Um, yeah. He came in unfit. He then picked up an injury, didn't play when, you know, Fulham, kind of needed him really. Um there was real yeah. frustration at the time when, when Robinson picked up the ankle knock and Robinson was playing and obviously he was ahead of the World Cup as well. So yeah, there was a bit of frustration at that point. But um like with Vinicius actually um I think the World Cup break has been really good for those players who arrive late in the window. They're basically a new preseason, a new way of preparing. Kazawa had a good camp by all accounts. Um was really involved. He scored in one of the the friendlies if I remember rightly um and then of course you know we saw him against Hull and i think what we saw against Hull was what he what he can do you know he's he can be effective in the final third i found i found it quite almost a bit novel seeing his some of his positionings when they were attacking i mean the fact that he is the poacher in the box to score against Hull was yeah. uh, was pretty unique um I did I enjoy I... Georgie's take
2: on the podcast though that he did his absolute level best to not score it. He, well, he, did, he did not need <laughs> well, to be posting in when he had an open goal.
1: It's <laughs> true. He's just practicing true. for when he has a keeper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, he's, he's honing his targets. Um, but it's, it's, his goal record's really good. It's like, it's better than one in 10, which is really decent for, for a left back. That's over his career. So, um, he looks to be in a good place. It, he, he's shown signs of quality. I think what we haven't seen really And we only sort of glimpsed against Newcastle before he went off injured in the reverse fixture was how he'll be tested defensively. I I want to get a good sense of that um, at a Premier League level to to see what he can do. But, you know, he's track record fixture itself, I suppose. He's played for PSG. He's played for France. um, Played with some of the best players in the world. He's he's a good left back. So uh, an opportunity for him really as well um, with Robinson um, suspended. And speaking of left backs, Jack,
2: big Dan Byrne. What? The reunion. How did this happen? How did this happen? I I just can't get my head around that we released him in 2016 and no one shed a tear. Like, there's nothing bad on Dan Byrne, but we were awful at the time. We conceded nearly 80 goals in the championship. He was part of that defense. And I honestly thought, I thought he might be championship at best, League One standard. And the level that he's gone on to, um, playing at left back as well. Asaidi destroyed him that day when he played fullback for us. And now he's one of the league's best left backs. I think it just goes to show that with a bit of nurturing and the right guidance and how people can thrive, even when you think that their careers are are gone And, and Fulham have had plenty of those players over the years who other clubs have written them off. They've come to Fulham and they've played some of the best football of their career. And it seems to have happened the other way around almost with, with Dan Byrne.
0: Yeah, I mean, it takes us full circle, doesn't it, in some ways, to, to William and the point we were making right at the top of the pod that a lot of people were like, well, that guy's finished. And I think you're right. You know, he, he did get absolutely rinsed in that Fulham team. But then again, he didn't have much help. Um, and, and, and I think when you're when you're looking at it and he hit the post, didn't he, in his last game for Fulham? I remember that from from distance. Everyone was like, oh, that would have been a nice way to send off. I don't think there was any ill will. It was just—I uh, don't think this guy's maybe quite up to it. So yeah, you have to look at that as a renaissance and be like, look, he's obviously gone back to to his hometown club, to you know, <laughs> a club that he he obviously had an affinity for growing up, and he's you know been so determined to make a go of it, and it, it's it, you can see that paying off week by week. So full credit to him, and I'm sure he'll get a good reception, you know, from the Fulham fans uh, as well, because there was no, as you say, no ill feeling, no no ill will towards him when he left. Um he always he always worked really hard for Fulham. He just didn't feel like he was up to it. And and so for him to have gone on and, and done this, I think is really impressive and full credit to him.
2: Yeah. Um right, well we'll uh see how it goes on Sunday against Newcastle. Uh, safe travels to all of those uh, making the trip up. I know lots of people are are making a big weekend of it. Um Imagine there'll be some uh, sore heads still on the by the time people are travelling up on the Saturday uh, for Newcastle from uh, from Chelsea. There's not much recovery time for the fans, let alone the the, the players as as well. Uh, scandalous scheduling, isn't it? Um, but yeah, safe trip up there. Can we get a result up at Newcastle? I mean, it really would be the icing on the cake after this exceptional run that we've had. But even if not, we will always have the memories of last night's brilliant win against Chelsea. Um, one to savor, one for the ages. Jack, what would you like to go for as the uh, as the pod name? This is a big pod to name. This is a big call. What 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 are we going with?
0: I think. Much as I liked the Venny vidi viniciuss I'm going to go with. Aaron Williams is Samba Stomps Stanford.
2: Nice, nice. Yes, three Brazilians combining to sink the blues for the first time in 16 years. It feels like an apt uh, pod name. So, uh, Pisa Rutzer, thank you for being on. A uh, historic, historic pod.
0: Thank you. No, thank you for having me, as always. And Jack Collins, thank you. No, thank you, Sammy. What a delight to be on talking today, even uh, with slightly sore heads.
2: Yeah, I'm off for a big sleep. <laughs> I'm going to end this pod and then I'm going to bed. Uh, right. Thank you again for listening and um, hope you enjoyed uh, the pod. Um, and we will be back uh, Monday-ish, Monday evening, um, reacting to everything that happens in that Newcastle game. Uh, as I said, safe travels if you're heading up. If not, have a lovely weekend, whatever you are doing. Follow the kings of West London. You white. You whites.
0: You whites.